This is uh, episode number 66 of Media Camp. I'm Sergey Ross. Welcome, guys. And uh, that's interesting. You know, looking back at all the episodes I've done, that sounds 66 sounds quite a lot. <laughs> and uh, today we are going to talk about content, obviously. And uh, we have a special guest. Uh, his name is Mark Killens, who is a VP of content and community at Drift. You might know I mentioned Drift multiple times. I'm a big fan of what David Cancel is building. I went to their conference back in the day. It was really, really cool. Now, Mark is an interesting person because not only he spent many years creating content in um, this very high growth orgs, but also what he did, he was a VP of content at HubSpot where he built HubSpot Academy, which was a really interesting content hub for your customers, or you could use it for your prospects. Uh, and he did the same thing with Drift, which was called Drift Insider or Drift Insider Plus. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Content Hub. We're going to talk about webinars versus podcasts. We're going to talk about creating a content plan, setting your goals, and some of the nitty gritty things that Mark is an expert in because he's been doing it for a long time. And he's super passionate. He has such an electric personality. If you see his webinars there, definitely not boring. That's really key. And I mean, they're super useful and fun to watch. Uh, so hope you guys enjoyed. I think you're going to have some good takeaways from it. Here's Mark Killens. All right, I'm here with Mark Killens, the VP of Content and Community at Drift. Mark, thank you for accepting my invitation. Hey, my pleasure, Sergey. How are you doing? Not bad. You know, it's it's uh, things are pretty good in Toronto. It's warm uh, for once, so it's uh, it's another day. I love it. Yeah, I'm actually on the coast of Maine right now, and uh, it's been it's been pretty nice. It's been pretty seasonable, but we don't get like the 90s and like the 100 degree temperatures. Um, so that's a benefit, uh, but it does it does get kind of cool in the summer. You know, it's, it could be in the 60s. Oh, really? Uh, I mean, it's like you're 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 from Boston, I guess. So it's not you're you're used to that. Yeah, yeah. Boston could be all over the place. It could be snowing one day and then be 90 degrees the next day. <laughs> oh, totally. How do you find how do you find working from home? Then did you adapt quickly with your team and everything? Yeah, we, we did, uh, I think, pretty good at adapting to the work from home. It was around March 10th when our CEO, David Cancel, decided to, to do it. He was one of the first people to do it. thought the decision was extremely smart. And like most people, you know, I'm on a lot of Zooms. Um, but, you know, I think as long as you are very um, intentional about how you kind of structure your day from, from home, um, you're going to be okay. But if you kind of leave it to chance, I think that's where, you know, you can feel burnt out or you don't have that kind of rhythm that you need when you might be in the office. Yeah, that's such a good point. Planning. It's always, always the planning part is such a big part. Uh, how does it feel to do marketing your whole career? It's good. Um, so I started as a market research analyst out of college. Um, I, I studied actually a lot of different things in college. And one of the things I did was like research. I actually was published as an undergraduate um, as part of an undergraduate research program. So I started to do that and it was a company during the great recession, a small company I was at, so a startup, like less than 20 people. And they needed someone to do some marketing stuff, Sergey. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, you know, 22, whatever it was, 23. So I, what did I do when we have a question or a problem? You go to Google and I typed in how to generate more leads and uh, HubSpot came up and kind of the rest is history. Oh, it's amazing. It's such an amazing, that's such an amazing story. <laughs> you, uh, you end up, you end up being, obviously you end up in HubSpot and then you end up leading your, their whole academy. And you didn't start with content marketing at first when you actually jumped into HubSpot. No. So at that startup, um, that I was at for close to two years, 
I transitioned into this marketing role doing demand gen, um, inbound marketing. I was one of the first like thousand businesses, I think, to use HubSpot. And we saw major success. We doubled our revenue, tripled our leads in six months during the Great Recession with HubSpot and inbound marketing. So that's awesome. So I'm like, wow, I got to go help other businesses do this. This is amazing. And I'm actually enjoying this. This is very cool. Um, So I joined the company as a implementation specialist, uh, inbound marketing consultant was the title. And very quickly though, and even before I joined HubSpot, I kind of realized that I was missing things to make me super successful as a HubSpot customer. I was missing training, missing content, missing uh, a community, um, missing a lot of things. So I went to HubSpot and said, hey, look, I'm going to crush this job I, I have, do this job for at least two, two and a half years. But on the side, nights and weekends, which is very common at HubSpot at the time, I'm going to try building something. And the initial uh, version of, of, of Academy was called Content Camp. So I actually started creating content in October 2010. That was the first time I did my first ever webinar. My first ever webinar was with Jean mm-hmm. Hopkins. Shout out Jean Hopkins. She's like a six-time CMO. She's now a CRO at a company. But she was kind of my mentor at the time. And she helped me do one of my first webinars. So since then, I've probably done 500 plus webinars, Sergey. Um, but that's when my content creation you know, journey started. Right. Um, I officially like, started Academy you know, a couple of years later. But that's how it got going. That's amazing. Yeah, I know you, you are, you're one of the few people who are very memorable after you watch your webinars uh, right now adrift. <laughs> it's a lot of practice. And I think we'll talk about that, but yeah, you got to make webinars conversations um, and involve the audience as much as possible. Definitely. It's like two way conversation versus like hitting through, like you just monologue in the slides. Uh, so bad. It's, it's, it, that's such a detriment to the audience, but also to your brand and to, um, to what a customer can expect when they interact and engage more with your business and brand. I, I think 100%. actually, yeah, you, so you agree. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we'll talk about it uh, before that. What is the one thing that, I mean, you do a lot of webinars, you talk to a ton of people, you talk to CEOs, marketers, everybody. What are some, what is the thing that they didn't, they don't ask you that you wish they did? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I, I wish they asked me more about how to get close to their customers. Um, I, I think that's a trait of Drift. Like Drift is an amazing business. I've been here for 18 months. Um, we're, we're one of the fastest growing SaaS businesses. And we have eight leadership principles, Sergey. And one of them, probably one of the most important ones is put the customer at the center of everything you do. And when you think about anything related to like product market fit, um, trying to figure that out, a go-to market strategy, uh, launching a new product, coming up with great content. Like you got to really talk to your customers. You got to get to know them. You got to talk to them every week. You right. got to like, like you embody them. You ultimately should be one of your customers if you can do that, as, yeah. you know? And like, that's what I don't think people talk enough about. <laughs> oh, it's so true. It's so true. What do you, uh, so, so, I mean, I know, I, I mean, I've followed uh, all the episodes of Seeking Wisdom. So I have uh, a lot of insights about you and early days of Drift and DC and DG. Uh, so uh, with regards to customers, I know you are on a marketing team. You actually sit on sales calls. You would sometimes be doing sales calls, which is a part of uh, pr- a process of getting closer to the customer. What are some of the other things you normally would do in, uh, in a, on a marketing team? So yeah, just to give you some context, I'm literally joining two sales calls today at four o'clock and five o'clock. So just, I am always talking to customers. I listen to sales calls. I listen to customer calls. I engage customers in our community. So through LinkedIn, through Drift Insider, 
through just just relationships I built that I will then you know use you know, messaging and email right. to constantly co talk to them. Um, it's not just one approach; it's it's a holistic approach that requires mm -hmm. you to have this cultural DNA and mindset that I think is required from a marketing team, a product team, a sales team, even even your like people team, your legal team, your finance team needs to have this customer centricity because at the end of the day, Sergey, the customer now is in full control. Like the business almost has no control anymore because the internet and the digitalization of everything has empowered the customer and the consumer to drive everything. <laughs> that's it. And, and that's a good, that's a, also a good thing. That's a good thing. If a business can, can make sure their business model and their strategy um, takes that into account. And, and I think content to actually, we'll talk about this has a, has a big part in that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think we, what we're going to like, we will see is that the self checkout finally, hopefully when you're, you don't have to talk to a rep, you're actually going to go and, and check, check out with whatever product you want to buy. And, uh, you have, you have a workflow, uh, that is good enough. And I know you do it, uh, at, at drift, but like a lot of other companies hopefully will join that too, where like, no, you don't have to fill out the form and talk to a rep to actually get this piece of software. Well, it's that get the software, get the content, like 60 to 80% of the buying journey, whatever stat you look at, it's usually 60, 80%, depending on the stat is done without talking to a, a person, a human at the business. So it's like, you, you better have a great experience on your website today, especially now that like, face to face interactions have been just completely flipped on its head and they're probably right. not going to come back in a big way anytime soon. And even when they do, it's going to be different. And for the fact that content is hundred percent is a commodity. Like everything, everything's a commodity basically right now, right? Yeah. Everything's been commoditized thanks to the globalization of the world and, and manufacturing and all these other things, not just the internet. But that means then you need to really try to create the best possible experiences with both like what you were describing, like your actual like buying a product. How does that actually happen for you? The content that you use to educate someone and entertain them. And then how would you actually help your customers after the sale? It goes back to like something I posted the other day about customer marketing on LinkedIn. I don't think right. enough people focus on customer marketing and the content on that side. And that's actually where Academy was born from. We started it as a customer success and retention play and, and strategy. Mm -hmm. It then became a demand gen and brand play. Uh, and you know, with Drift Insider, we're doing the same thing. We actually started right. it as more of a demand gen brand play, but now it's gonna become much of a customer success and retention play. Oh, you did it in reverse, effectively. Yeah, yeah, we did it in reverse. Oh, that's so interesting. I love that. I love that. No, it's, it makes so much sense. And uh, you you talked about this importance of treating your content like a product, which I thought was a great point as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you don't treat it like a product, then, then, I mean, at the end of the day, why are you creating content? Yeah. Like, so you used to be able to, like, post a blog post. And, and I was able to do this, Sergey. Post a blog post. I remember it like distinctly, like the keyword was um, market intelligence or um, market research. In a matter of less than a week, I was able to rank number one or number two for that keyword back in like the late 2000s. You know? That's crazy. Yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, when Gary Vee says like 90% open rate on the email. Yeah, in the and 90s. those days are gone. And now you need to create content experiences with something I call like cornerstone content. Uh, and it goes back to understanding your customers, your personas extremely deeply, um, but you need to treat your content as a product. So it's, it's just as much about creating the content and the process that goes into creating it as it is promoting it. 
and um, uh, making it better over time. Distribution for sure matters so much. Uh, let me, before we jump into Academy, and I think this is a super interesting area, what is a belief or maybe a couple of beliefs that you have around content creation that would go against the other common beliefs that other marketers would have? And I know you could probably pick a ton of them, but maybe if you could focus on a few that are a lot, maybe less common, less known. Beliefs, yeah, it's, that's a really good question. Um, you ask really good questions, by the way. I love this. Uh, you're very insightful. I'd say a big one is that you need to produce um, a lot of content, like all the time. What you need to do is you need to um, think about how your content ecosystem is set up. So start with the strategy and even beyond strategy, the vision for your content. And how do you start with the vision for your content? You start actually aligning it always from the, from the beginning to the business's go-to market strategy. So what is the business trying to do today for the next year? Right. And then where's the business trying to go in the next one to three years? So let me give you an example. Is your business trying to go from 500,000 in revenue to a million? Mm -hmm. Or is it trying to go from a million to 10 million um, over the next you know, two years? Like, so in the next two years, is it 500,000 increase or is it a 10 million increase? Yes, I know. That's a good, that's a good point to start. That is the biggest thing. One of the biggest things I think people don't think about going back to your question, um, because that will change so much about how you think about content and then the community and ecosystem that that content should create and foster. Uh, so that's how I approach it at HubSpot. That's how I'm approaching it at Drift. That's what I recommend. That's why I'm saying it right now. The devil's in the detail there, right? So like, I think content marketers don't, the second thing is content marketers don't partner enough across the business, mm -hmm. right? So like yeah. you've got to partner with your sales team, obviously, but you got to partner with like your strategy and ops team. You got to partner with your customer success team. Mm -hmm. You got to partner with every team that's basically customer facing in some capacity and every team that could give you some insight into how that content's performing. And then most, most definitely you have to partner with your CEO. You know, luckily at Drift, I, I you know, have a CEO, you know, we're led by someone, David Cancel, who is, amazing on many levels. One of the things he's amazing at is he's an amazing marketer. He really is right. amazing right. at building products, but he's an amazing marketer and he loves marketing. So it makes it easier. But at the end of the day, you got to be aligned with your CEO. Totally. And I mean, it always, uh, that's always driven by, I guess, always driven by the CEO. That's where, I mean, I think when you're, when you're in an organization that is not quite, doesn't have the right perspective from the top down, it's really hard to, to run the right playbook. You mentioned uh, you mentioned this scale and understanding how, how where you are at and where you want to go from the company perspective, which is huge. W would that dictate immediately? Oh, I need to put out that much content. I need this infrastructure, that many team, that many people. Um, what are some of the other things you would be immediately would immediately be obvious uh, besides you know understanding? Oh, these are my target accounts, and this is my target market, and here's a, maybe a few options that I could consider from my content strategy perspective. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like four things. Goals, you have the goals, right? So like that's the start with like the revenue all the way down to how many visits do we need on the website then, right? So it's the whole funnel. And then you look at the people. What people do we need to help us reach those goals? Full-time, part-time, contractor, freelance, agency. We use a mix of all of that at Drift. Right. And then it's process. What's the process we're going to use, which is kind of like strategy, but you get the process. Like how do we mm -hmm. go about creating these different assets? Um, 
and then the technology, what technology are we going to use to create them? Um, that's both like creation, but also like you said, distribution and ongoing optimization. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about the content models. Uh, I'm curious to to hear your distinction between, let's say we take Gary Vee, for example, he puts out content, gives all the value, and he doesn't really create uh, an academy style experience. I mean, for, for a number of reasons, but he doesn't really do it. So we have this open model where you push out the content um, and you give the value. It's still very relevant to obviously your audience. And then on the other hand, we have folks like HubSpot and then Drift, where you have HubSpot Academy or you have Drift Insider, where you actually create an experience for folks who sign up and it's, you either charge them a little bit or you don't. Um, what is the difference between the two? How do you see those two models? Yeah, so it definitely goes back to my earlier point about go-to market strategies and like what's your business's vision and goals, but also it's like your audience and personas. And it's also um, one thing on the B2B side that's very important to consider is like, did the, is the business I'm trying to build a new category uh, and be the market leader in that category? So I've been at two companies that have built categories, I've helped build categories in these two companies. And um, it matters a lot to maintain that number one position. Um, and from uh, you know Drift standpoint, HubSpot standpoint, it matters a lot to do something like um, Insider because of a couple of reasons. One is you're a SaaS business mm -hmm. and your recurring revenue is essential to the health and success of that business long-term and the growth. So right. you need to make sure your customers are super successful and you need to like make sure they understand what they're buying and why they're buying even ahead of time. And, and you need to make sure that as you know, marketing and salespeople have a tendency to kind of bounce around, you need to make sure there's always a good supply of people that know how to do these different things, conversational marketing, conversational sales, et cetera. And you want to make sure that because you're establishing this category and like now that you've established it and you want to grow it and be, mm -hmm. be the leader, sustain it, you want to create signals. I call it signaling with your content. Right. And I think, you know, a certification is a signal. It's, it's not a piece of content. It's an outcome you help someone achieve that has some type of meaning behind it. I thought, I thought, Mark, yeah. that it's like, you know, like we're Ryan Dice, he does the same thing in Mar Digital Marketer, and he calls it like status. I mean, that's his explanation, like, oh, we, people want status, they always wanted it, they always would want it. So it's like, this is his definition. That's just, that's 100% right. That's just so Ryan Dice and I, friends, we talk a lot. He, yeah. uh, he's awesome, love Digital Marketer. Um, check out all their stuff, the great content, great certifications. But what he's saying is the other side of the coin. So we're saying the same thing. He's saying it from a, from a uh, you know, person standpoint. I want my status, my ego. I want to be right. more valuable in the market. We actually looked at my past company um, that around how many people got certified and not only how many people, but like how many people got multiple certifications and what did that do for their earnings? And what did that do for their promotions and like the outcomes they were driving for their business? That's a good report. It helped a lot. Yeah, and Salesforce has done this, other companies have done this. It's, you know, right. it's very important. What I'm saying on the other side of the coin is the signaling to the market. Because now you're saying to the market as a brand, as a business, as a category leader, you know what, there's 100,000 people certified in, in, in you know, inbound marketing. You know, there's there's yeah. in less than 280 days, there's 5,000, close to 5,000 people certified in conversational marketing. I mean, that's like, that's impressive, right? And like, Absolutely. that's, that's huge. Gonna, 
yeah, it's only gonna it's only gonna validate everything and build trust with the audience and and the overall ecosystem. So I think there's other reasons too. We could keep talking about it, but for Gary V, it's different, right? Like, what's his monetization model? What's his brand plan? He wants yeah. to get the biggest reach possible. We do as well, but it's a different way he's monetizing, and he's not trying to create a category either. I don't think. Yeah, no, that's a good point, and I mean, great points you just mentioned. With regards to I'm super, this is an interesting point. Let's say you, when you create a Drift Insider, you start with brand and demand first uh, uh, goal, and then you switch to more customer retention and, and keeping your customers happy. How do you do that? It's just a matter of creating content for that, for that audience. I mean, yeah, but it goes back to your strategy. Like, I don't think enough content marketers think long-term. So if you're doing something on LinkedIn, you could be a content marketer of one. Love those people. Um, yeah. I'm that person individually. Um, you still have to ask yourself why, right? It's like the whole Simon Sinek. He didn't create mm -hmm. the golden circle. He, he, he put a good brand behind it, but why, how, what, right? Yeah. He calls it the golden circle. You know, read all about it. Watch the TED Talk. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's a really, why, how, what is a really strong mental model. And I think content marketers need to use more frameworks and mental models but it, but before they do that, they have to think about like, wait a minute, what am I trying to do with my content? Like, it's it's not about like educating people. I mean, it is, but yeah. it's not. It's something more than that. And we can unpack like, that. What, sort of yeah, like what's the, what's the bigger thing behind it, right? Yeah, so you educated somebody, but why would you do that? Do you, are, do you wanna sell something in the future? with like a course in the future, or you don't know, you wanna figure it out later, or maybe you're just, you just doing it for some other reason. And why do they need to be educated or why do they want that education? You all, so this is the other trap. I think you always have got to look at your content or marketing efforts overall as, as two sides to a coin. What does it mean for the business? And what does it mean for the customer? If you only think about it in one of those different lenses, mm -hmm. you're going to, you're blind. You're missing a major blind spot. You always have to think about it from both points of view. Right. Right. Uh, are there any, I guess this, this is just, I mean, obviously this is super contextual. Are there any frameworks that you'd recommend to consider or look at? I know there's so many, let's say, you know, your two, you know, business goal, you know, your personal goal. What are some of the frameworks you would recommend for people to have a look at, uh, as, as maybe a starting point? Oh my God. I have, I literally have a list of my favorite mental models on my phone. Like I'm not exaggerating. I have so many, and I, one of my, one of my favorite, maybe it's not a framework, but favorite things I learned from Google designers is mm -hmm. practice your ABCs. You know what the ABC stands, stands no. for? Always be capturing. Oh. A good content marketer is always capturing, capturing ideas from customers, capture, capturing um, something that DG calls a swipe file, right? Putting stuff in your swipe oh, yeah. file, yeah. you know? always be capturing. So one of the things as a quick aside that I think any great individual could be a leader, could be a CEO, could be an athlete, could be just um, an amazing individual contributor at the company. Any of these people have in common is they have great personal systems. Like, do you have a personal system, Sergey? You know what I mean by this? Uh, would that be uh, some sort of a ritual, some sort of a sequence that you have or... Um, it, it definitely involves rituals and sequences are definitely involved in like your personal system. Like I call it like Mark's operating system. Right. What I'm trying to get at though, is as you are capturing things, if you're, if you have a very curious mind, which you can develop, you can become more curious yeah. over time. 
you're always capturing things, either from what you're reading in a book, reading online, listening to, like, I'm gonna capture some ideas just from this conversation. I'm gonna take right. those down. And then what you need to do though, is after you capture those things, is you need to clean them up. Oh, you categorize them, right? Categorize and clean, right? And like that's, so the, yeah, exactly. And that's what I think, uh, if, if I was gonna start at one of the, the frameworks I would use is always be capturing. And then, then you need to use a framework, in my opinion, um, that is, is very much in a teach, it's teaching based. And it's good to use from a, uh, from a content standpoint because it helps you put structure to your content. And it's mm -hmm. like goals, objectives, um, either assessment or activity. And why do I say, why do I use this, right? So like the right. goal would be sometimes just for the business, the goal is we need to generate, you know, a thousand uh, meetings. Mm -hmm. So how are we gonna do that, yeah. right? Um, and then you have these objectives, right? That are gonna help you reach these goals. But the better way to use that framework is again, from the, the perspective of the customer. What is the customer's goal? So right. I'll give, give you an example, like on the customer success side, the retention side, the customer's goal is to, to um, it's interesting actually. 50 more qualified opportunities. So, you know, using conversational marketing. Yeah. You, how are we going to create content and training and maybe a certification to mm -hmm. help them get to that goal? Well, you have these objectives they have to reach. Da, 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 da. And yeah. then from that structure, you can create your assets. But I think a lot of people jump to the assets first. Oh, we got to create a blog article. We got to do a webinar. We got to do a certification course. We got to do this thing. No, no. Start with the end in mind. Always start with the goal and objectives and then create the activities and the assets and the uh, assessments to go along with it. That makes a lot of sense. I remember um, that was back in the day, David Kensel was talking about his framework, how he reads the book and how he categorizes everything. And I was like, wow, I was blown away. He like, he talked about like, oh, if it's a great book, I'm going to read the physical book. If it's like a book, I don't know. I'm just going to listen on Audible pre-qualified. I'm, I'm going to use Kindle, then I will export it all in Evernote and scan it all. It's, uh, it's super, I mean, pretty much the same thing you're talking about from, but from the book perspective. Yeah, you know, exactly. And one of my other favorite frameworks is like we use a value-based sales motion and drift. So it's all value-based. Pain, solution, value. What's right. the pain your customers are having? What's the, list out all the pains. How do you uniquely solve them? And then what value do they get from that? Right? I mean, there's so much you can do with that. If you, if you actually map that out, it's, you get a value-based framework. Um, another one is like, why, why change? Why now? Mm -hmm. why your company name so like why yeah. drift? why yeah. why change why now why drift? it's, it's a super it's good powerful very powerful yeah, yeah i mean it's, it's it's like the quality of the question right then you, you get a you get a good answer possibly exactly. i mean that's but you gotta you gotta start from from somewhere let's talk about that's super interesting uh, let's talk about podcasts versus webinars i know so many people do both and webinars I feel like webinars are so old school now, uh, at least the name is so old and a lot of people do it in a wrong way. Like we touched on earlier, like where like they just, you know, just recite the stuff they have on the slide, uh, which is like puts everybody to sleep. People watch two minutes of the whole and one hour thing. Even if you chop it up, sometimes it's just, there's no, nothing to pull, pull from it, from it. Um, and so, and then podcast is primarily the one way conversation, uh, webinars, if you do it, if let's say you would do it, you would have a very much, uh, conversation with an, with an audience all the time. What are your thoughts with, with both and where do you see it going in the future, like webinars and podcasts? 
I mean, like, let's be, let's be just like kind of obvious, right? A webinar typically is just, uh, you know, has visuals, has slides. Uh, yeah. And at Drift, we use cameras. So you can see our faces. So like, uh, so maybe it's two things different, right? But most people don't show their faces. Uh, I think that's actually becoming more common, but it's mostly just slides and a podcast has no slides. This is the audio, it's just the voice. Yeah. Um, so it's like, yeah, what's the difference? Uh, well, um, it goes back to what's the, so let me, let me start with this. It goes back to one is epistotic content. Episodic, that is a podcast. If your podcast is not set up in a way that's episodic, then I don't know, I mean, I would question what you're doing. Um, do you know what I mean by episodic, Sergey? Yeah, episodic means that you have um, a certain theme behind a certain set of episodes, right? Yeah, and, and just or for the overall show. It could be for like that one season or for the overall show. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, you're continuously in a consistent manner producing these episodes to go along with that kind of that theme. But also, I would say, Mark, just to add on, uh, what yeah. I've seen and you've probably seen too is that a lot of podcasters now, they do a video. Uh, they've recorded on Zoom like we're doing now, and then they would put it out on, let's say, on YouTube, or they would put it out on um, on their website. So there is a bit of a, I think it kind of edges them closer to the webinar, and obviously no slides, different format, but they do have that interaction if you want to see a face. Some of them do. Yeah, so that's that, you just cheered me up with my next comment. I love this. It's perfect. Uh, podcasts, if you had to say it simply, it's like brand, right? Brand awareness, impressions, reach, engagement. Some, some, some of those metrics yeah. which you can measure. Uh, webinars is demand gen. It's demand gen, right? right. Like, right. I mean, that's the trouble with podcasts right now still. Like, it's insane to me. I'm sure you feel the same way that there has <laughs> not been one of the platforms that, that, you know, supports podcasts that, you know, is a podcast platform that has not done something <laughs> in, a, in a, it's really, it won't be hard to, to turn podcasts from more than just a brand kind of flight. Yeah, like you, and, and would that be would that be more interactive approach where you like, hey, you want to talk to people who maybe joined live or some sort of a follow up, if you could. I mean, it's just it's just it's more just communities like being able to recognize who is right. subscribed and who's listening to the episodes. That's yeah, all identifying identifying people, of course. That's all you need. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's nuts to me. It's insane. Um, so like, I think, you know, the webinar though, I think we have um, fallen, you know, into a trap. Some of us maybe have um, where we, we've settled. Like one of my personal principles is to never settle. You, you never let the status quo eat you. So I think a lot of marketers have been swallowed by the status quo, uh, which is like what you were describing before. And you got to get yeah. out of that. Like, and, right. and now the other thing that's compounding this, Sergey, is um, mm -hmm. virtual events you know, a virtual event, which is, you know, some of them are just basically long, long webinars. Others are much better, you know, we've it's good analogy. A, uh, what's that? That's a good analogy, actually, long webinar. That's what I, that's what I feel like they are. Yeah, I mean, we, so Drift has done two, and I, I don't think ours are anything like that. You know, we, we've had DJs, we had, uh, you know, workout sessions, we, we had an MC in oh, wow. these virtual events. Yeah, it's much different. We have we actually have a conversational experience going alongside the events. You can engage with sales or someone else on the side and find content and there's there's breaks and anyway. Mm -hmm. That's still though, like, you know, if you think about what a webinar should be, it should be much more than just someone um, presenting slides. Uh, and I think the other thing that marketers could do to make webinars not a webinar is position them differently. So one of my other favorite frameworks that we didn't talk about yet is 
reuse, reposition, repackage. Right. That's like, that's an amazing framework. I use that so much. So reuse, repackage, reposition. And like a webinar could be repositioned as just a fireside chat, as a training, as a workshop, as a Q&A. That's a great point. That's a great point. You just say, call it, call it interview. And like people are like, oh, interview, that's pretty cool. Versus like, oh, webinar. It's some sort of a sales thing from the 2000s. I don't want to do that. 100%. What do we, exactly, exactly. So yeah, um, it's interesting. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, it's such a powerful thing. I I think I talked to uh, James Carberry, who started this B2B growth show, and his company does just podcasts. And he talked about how important it is to name your podcast in the right way. Like the name should mean something. It's not just like a company name. It has to have a certain meaning and how, how it makes a big difference, especially when you're reaching out to guests. If you, you know, like just two words make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, copy makes a huge difference, right? Like yeah. you know, Dave Gerhardt talks about this a ton. It's, it's part of our brand ethos at Drip. Like copywriting is so right. core to human psychology and human behavior. Um, what I think you're getting at though is like productizing, treating your content as a product. Right. I mean, you know, we, I have this other concept um, called cornerstone content. Mm-hmm. And there's really five types of cornerstone content. And if, if done well, like you should take each of those five types of cornerstone content. If you do all five, we, we do all five at Drift and brand them slash position them in a way that makes them sometimes see, seem more important and bigger than they are, which is, a, is a fine, which is an okay thing, but also helps you get a lot more um, return for the investment and time it took to build that piece of cornerstone content. So one, one example of a piece of cornerstone mm-hmm. content is books, either digital books, AKA, AKA eBooks or physical books. I know you're um, big into it. What's that? I know you're big into it and Drift. you have like the whole section of books that you create. Yeah. I mean, I just wrote another book that's going to come out next week. The, the updated version of the conversation marketing blueprint, and we're going to probably print that book but we're only going to print it to a select amount of people. And it's probably going to be, you know, unique to the accounts that we're going after from an account-based marketing strategy. Right. So there you go. Like now you're productizing yep. this book. And, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of things you can do. You just got to kind of think, think creatively and also make sure how you position that book and the title, like you said, and like the subheadline right. is really strong. I remember, I remember you had this offer, which I was blown away by literally every, anybody could go on at, at certain point, I think it was a year ago, you go on drift.com, you chat to the bot and, and the first question it asks you like, do, would you like this little book? It was, I think the, like the, you know, like all the laws of B2B marketing, I forgot the title. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's like your, basically your drift playbook. You just gave it away and you say yes. And then it asks you, so where do you want to ship it? I'm like, what do you mean? And then you just put in your address and it says, cool, here's, you can read the PDF now, but your book is on the way. And then you get the book. It's actually shipped. You don't have to pay anything. And the experience that I got, I'm like, holy shit. Like I just literally messaged a few of my friends. Like, hey guys, you can get the book and nobody could believe it. Yeah, it's, it's, that's, a, that's a great example. And that's like our conversational marketing um, book that David and, and the other David, DG wrote. Um, yeah. That's a great example of an intersection of reusing a cornerstone piece of content for two different formats of the same cornerstone content, right? Physical and digital and removing the friction from the experience. So they get the thing they want right away, but you're also delivering this additional value right. 
in the form of a book, which is again, brand building and all these other goodness, all this other goodness that comes with it. Uh, that's, that's amazing. So this point that you made on LinkedIn, I want to, I want to write, I want to read it and just see what you like, what was your thought behind it? You said mm -hmm. content marketers should be knowledge curators and enablers. They should not just be content creators. Talk a little bit about it. Cause I think this is a deep thought. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's definitely, a, a, I guess you could say maybe a pet peeve of mine from what I've seen mm -hmm. with, with content um, marketers or creators or people who create content. They think that they maybe have to do it all or they think um, it goes back to my comment earlier about partnerships. They don't like assume they have to partner with enough people to make an exceptional piece of content today to make an exceptional piece of content that is positioned well, that's going to get the job done for you and the person who's taking the time and giving you their time to read it or watch it or listen right. to it, you need to work with other people, enable other people um, to go out and build that content. Um, and that could be for like a single asset, but like, mm -hmm. let me give you an example. So like, we're trying to create with our community, whoever wants to help us along the journey, create the future of marketing and sales. Right. That's, that's Drift's like marketing's mission. The Drift marketing team is trying to create the future of marketing and sales. Do you really think that the, you know, 40 person Drift marketing team is gonna, is gonna do that on its own? <laughs> Of course, of course, of course not. No. Yeah, that's, that's, that's where you have the insiders, you have the community, well, like you have the plus insider, you have just the drift insider, then you have other people who are not in it. Yeah, and then, so take that just to a small business. Say you're like, you're not drift and you're just a small, small business. And by the way, the drift content team is only five people. Like the full-time content team of drift is five people. People get that's crazy. That, that. That's crazy. That's insane. Yeah, people are like, wait, you have five people? I'm like, yeah, five full-time people. But anyway, um, what, what I mean for like that in, in general is like you need, and there's also, there was great comments. So if you could link to that post, that you have other people read the comments. I think people chimed in on that post and gave such good insight into what that means from like being a curious person and like always trying to learn and like, again, always capturing ideas and building relationships with other people. That's what a good content marketer does. They are a relationship right. builder and a connector. And then they say, hey, awesome. You know, we built this relationship. Do you want to actually be part of this, this book I'm writing? Hey, awesome. Do you want to actually maybe join me on this webinar or this fireside chat? Oh, right. and then they can reuse, reposition, repackage that content. So that's right. kind of what I'm getting at. But it's, it goes a lot deeper than uh, a lot deeper and a lot more long term than most people would think, right? Oh, 100%. It's, what, it's, it's, what, what do you mean by that? What do you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, let's say you know somebody would be like, like somebody hits hits a person up on LinkedIn, like, hey, I'm publishing this this webinar. Would you like to join? And they would say no, but then they hit some other people, and and somebody will say yes, and they're like, oh yeah, now I I sort of you know I did it. I I got a person. Versus what you're talking about, you're saying like, oh, you're in this thing for five years, and you're actually building a relationship not to get somebody necessarily to a webinar, but you do it to learn. And by the way, we're gonna get you also to this webinar because it's gonna be really cool, and I think you will benefit, right? So it's it's a it's a mutual long-term perspective versus oh, I'm just gonna hit somebody up to to get my registrations up. Oh, 100 percent. It's it's there's actually yeah, you make a good point. There's like relationship building for the brand and like turning someone from like an interested person buyer into a customer. But then there's also relationship building with like, no, I want, I want that person to be a fan advocate of, of, of ours. And we want to work with them 
on an ongoing basis or at right. least once and produce some type of content. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's what I mean. I know you probably got to run. Uh, I have uh, one, well, maybe two more questions. Uh, would be curious to see what you, what you say. Advice to the 30 year old self, the classic one. So I'm only 34. Okay. Uh, let's, let's do this. Let's say, well, how about 20, 28, 27? What would you, what would you, yeah, when you were when you were early in your, I mean, obviously super early in your content journey, right? Like, what would what would be your suggestions? Something that you'd recommend people who are maybe in a similar, similar type of career? Yeah, so I, I think I always try to practice this, but I think it's extremely important for people that are in their twenties or or early in a new career. It doesn't have to be twenties; it could be like your forties or fifties, and you're trying this new thing. Uh, patience. Patience. Yeah. And patience means don't expect, obviously don't expect results in six months. Maybe it's going to take a, a little bit more, uh, but like, how would you define that? Well, I would, that, that's a philosophical thing. Yeah. Uh, patience could be so many different things depending on the time of day you're talking about, the project you're working on, the people you have to work with, the stage of the company. At the end of the day though, that's why the saying is so classic, patience is a virtue. Um, as long as you have built some type of, again, plan that can be adjusted as you learn things, but there is a plan, there's a why, there's a goal, there's something you're working towards. Um, and there's probably multiple steps along that way. So milestones, um, you need to have patience along that journey. Um, so like, I, I learned that pretty early on. I think I learned that earlier than most people, um, but it's one of like the seven P's I talk about, like patience and perspective. Those right. two things are super important. And I think that those at the end of the day, if you look back, um, you know, seven, eight years ago are great things to have learned and continue to use. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I know it's so, so contextual. I just wanted, I was just curious to hear your perspective. I know it's very, I mean, it's, there's no right answer, but I, I had to ask anyway. Let me, let me ask you this, uh, creation versus consumption. A lot of people I know, they would be like, oh, let me just read all the blogs, read all the PDFs, uh, consume all this content versus spending more time on creation. Uh, and I know there's a place for both and it's not necessarily that you have to do either or because you, you know, it's, it's the progression of the learning. You, you still need execution. You need to get the ideas to, to be able to execute and get to the next level. What's your perspective on the two, the balance between the two, uh, for you personally, let's say. Uh, so I almost like, I watch almost no TV, like, like zero TV. Uh, I read a ton. Um, so it's both a hundred percent both. And sometimes it's more creation. Sometimes it's more consumption. I think there, there is definitely no right answer other than it's a, it's a both and there's a balance and it oscillates back and forth. Um, you know, when I'm on vacation, I'm, I'm consuming more yeah. than I'm creating. Uh, perfect. Good example. Right. When I'm writing this new you know, book to the new way to think about conversational marketing and revenue acceleration, I'm creating more. Uh, but at the same time, I am consuming a lot, but right. I'm definitely creating a lot more. Um, so I hope that was the answer you're looking for. No, it is. It is. I mean, it's not a, I know it's not a straightforward answer, uh, and not the easy, not the easy one to, to, uh, to answer the question. Um, are there any things that we have missed or what will be your final message to the, uh, to the audience, Mark? Oh man, final message. That's just, that just put me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd say like, if. 
if you're ask if if you're asking someone to do a job, um, especially like as a, as, a, as someone who's like a content marketer or a marketer, you need to be doing that job, no matter if you're a CMO, you know, um, or uh, manager, you know, director level. Like you should be doing that job. That's why I create so much content. Um, Practitioner. So can, what's that? Practitioner, right? Yeah, you, you need to lead by example. I think that's like super important. Um, and, you know, obviously um, there's there's a balance with other things that you have to do and, and what's going on in your personal life. 100% get that. But I think it, it's like the brand of who you are today. Um, if you're a marketer, you really got to pay attention to that. I know that's talked about a lot, but like the brand is... Um, about your actions and what you say and your results. So you just, you just got to like consider all those things. And to me, the people that really do great at marketing have this like personal purpose. It's like why we talked about, and they, they align that with the businesses they work at. Right. Right. No, that makes sense. It's something deeper than goes beyond the strategy. It's like something else that is more personal to you. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, where's everybody can find you online. Uh, LinkedIn and Twitter, just Mark Killens, K-I-L-E-N-S. It's that simple. You could just Google my name. Well, we'll, we'll link it in the show notes so just people can go check it out. But uh, Mark, thank you for coming. This was super fun. Really appreciate it. Great, great answers. Thank you, Sergey. Thank you for having me. And, and thanks everyone for listening. That was Mark Killens, VP of Content and Community at Drift. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, I really love talking to Mark. He's such an interesting personality. Now, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I have a link in the show notes. As always, you can go ahead, hit me up. Uh, I love to connect with new people. I've also revamped a new website. It's sergeyross.live. It's basically all the media camp stuff is there, short clips, best episodes, a little bit about the show, how the story, how the show started, and things like that. I'll have a link, of course, to Mark. Uh, Mark's profile on LinkedIn. You can, uh, you definitely should connect with him if you're in content marketing because he does amazing posts. He doesn't post every day, but he, whenever he does, then th that, those posts are really awesome. And uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for guys for listening. I appreciate it, and I will see you in the next one. Yeah.